This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 636 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, and it's brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Total Saddle Fit. This is Coach Jen, Chaos Control Officer at Horse Radio Network. Our regular hosts, Reese and Philip, are taking a much-deserved week off. So sit back and enjoy this mashup of training tips from previously aired podcasts. Michael Bragdell, the head trainer at Hilltop Farm, stayed on the line with us. Michael, what's your tip for the trainer tip of the week? Well, I, I think one of the things that I've been thinking about lately is the ladder work and trying to maintain the quality of the gates and, and keeping that in mind that the ladder work is really supposed to help our horses improve, especially improving their gates and and. If uh, we just ride through the motions, a lot of times it sort of takes the uh, quality of the of the gates away. So I, I, you know, really, as you're going down the long side, if you're riding straight and you go into a half pass, it shouldn't make the trot less. It should at least stay the same. And I think with time and experience and with strength. Hopefully, you can uh, let the trot grow within the half pass, half pass, if you want to call it that. Yeah, I, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but yeah, no, I think it does. And and um, Phil, this has also been on your pet peeve list for the the last couple weeks, wouldn't you say, or in general? Yeah, just in general. I mean, um, you know, riding uh, leg yield, especially. Uh, you know, I tend to have a little, you know, mostly lower level students. Um, and you know, somebody wants to achieve a really good leg yield for, for a nine or a 10, you know, that's what we should always, always be doing. You, you must see if you want that highest score, you must see the exercise, the, the leg yield, uh, like Michael said, to improve the trot so that when you come out of the leg yield, your trot is bigger, more expressive, more swinging, you know, all of these things that we try and do. Are, are not just tricks, like it's not just about going, you know, forward and sideways, but it's really about how does it help the horse get stronger and become a better athlete. So leg yield is one, and as you work your way up through to shoulder in and and traver, we, we see a lot at shows and, and in training that they achieve the angles and, and, and the bend that is described in, in textbooks or, or in the tests, but we don't see the horses um, becoming more athletic. And I think that's the, the uh, end goal for, for our training and something to think about as a rider. You know, Once you've taught the idea of the movement to also teach the purpose of the movement to, to make the horses more balanced and better and to make the, the gates better. Well, and I think that's it, right? Right. I think that's the sum, sum of all the parts is if you're doing the movements and the gates get worse, you're not doing the movement correctly. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, yeah. What's what's yeah, the point that, of doing a leg yield if, if it's not gonna if it's not gonna make the horse better? 
I don't think there is one. Exactly. I, I think you, you summed it up really well, Philip. It's, you know, it's not only are we trying to improve the quality of the gates, but it's, it's making the throughness better, making the suppleness better, which, uh, you add it all up and it should make the, the gates better. And that should be our goal with, with the ladder work. And I think sometimes that gets, as we're schooling for a horse show, I think sometimes we forget like why are we doing the leg it's not just going from point a to point b um but it, it is really about improving and how the way uh, how the horse moves yeah yeah it makes sense well fantastic well we can't thank you enough michael for staying on the show and how did our listeners find you online if they're looking for you well, if they need me online, they can find my contact information at hilltopfarminc.com. And my email is uh, michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at hilltopfarminc.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Feeding your horse starch-laden grains can lead to colic, laminitis, and metabolic disease. Today, nutritionists are recommending the use of high-quality fat to provide healthy calories. Fat is an extraordinary energy source. It's readily utilized by the horse and contains more than two times the calories of starchy grains. Replacing grain with a high-quality fat supplement reduces a horse's risk of developing health problems. Equijoule Stabilized Rice Bran is an excellent fat supplement. It contains a balanced calcium to phosphorus ratio and won't cause mineral imbalances when added to the diet. Its all-natural ingredients are high in healthy fat and fiber. And best of all, horses fueled by Equijoule stay calmer and more focused on the job at hand. When you need to add healthy calories to your horse's diet, choose Equijoule. To learn more, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, Phil, you have a total saddle fit tip of the week for us. What you got? Well, I'm just going to bring you something that's been bugging me for a couple of weeks. You know, just training things that I'm going through with, you know, teaching students and, and riding myself. And I thought that we'd bring we'd bring back some more tips about the 10-meter circle because this mm-hmm. is a movement that gets introduced kind of early. You know, in first level test one, you've got to do a half a 10-meter circle, back to the track sort of movement. And then in second level, there's lots of them. Third level, you have to do them in canter, you know. Um, so it's a fundamental movement, and I see it performed poorly a lot. So I think that's that was my inspiration for talking about it today. Uh, I think something very important that people don't realize is that the the thing that's going to give you the most success around a 10-meter circle in, in its size and shape and balance is not more bend. I see a lot like riders that want to really bend the neck a whole lot and pull on the inside rein, uh, which leaves the purpose of the exercise really somewhere not happening. So the point of the of the 10 meter circle is to improve the bend in the body. So if you're bending the neck a whole bunch and a ton, you're actually going to find that the horse is bending the body less and less and less because uh, because they can escape through whether through the outside shoulder or the outside hip, you, you'll find you'll see and you'll find your horse really much more difficult to steer, very difficult to get around in the correct size and shape of that 10 meter circle, and all kinds of problems. So when I'm introducing the horses to a 10 meter circle, 
I actually want to start with a little bit of counterbend. By doing that, by taking the nose a little bit to the outside of the the horse's body, I can actually get the shoulder around Mm -hmm. much more and create the right size and shape of circle and actually control the horse's body better as long as I'm using my outside leg correctly, a little bit behind the girth and, and trying to... What you're, what you're trying to do is to push the horse around the 10-meter circle, not pull them around the 10-meter circle. So um, when you do that, you're able to you know, balance the horse better through his body. The horse is more capable of stepping under, underneath himself with the inside hind, not losing the hips to the outside. You're able to control your energy a lot better because you're not pulling on the mouth. You know, all these great things. And then slowly, I'm going to introduce that... And, and once I've got the size and shape correct, then I'm going to start to introduce a little bit, a little bit of inside bend to the small circle and, and really trying to main, maintain the tempo and the horse's energy throughout that circle. And then, then you're going to have success in making actual 10 meter circles. But it's very obvious when you're going over the center line that it's not 10 meters. And people yeah. struggle and they try and pull more and more on the inside rein and they struggle and they struggle and then, and then it gets worse and worse and worse. So... Just try, just try a little counterbend through your small circles. I think you'll have a lot more success. So that's that's I my tip. It. That's what I've been harping on. Maybe you have some additional thoughts you. on that. No, yeah. I I think that's great. And just just in general, ten meter circles are a place. And and I learned this. I scribed one year for young riders here when it was here. And there's a ten meter circle in the pre Saint George. And I will tell you, those kids did a great shoulder in, did a great half pass, but their actual there, it's their eight. circle. It's eight in St. George. Ter- oh, it's eight. I'm sorry. It's eight. It's eight. Yeah, You're it's right. even smaller. Yeah. It was even smaller, but they would they write keep, ten. They, they make it ten in, in the St. George. You see, they lots make of it ten. Circles and, oh, yeah. and 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 they, nobody rode those well, and it was like, oh man, you know, they are literally the same points as the shoulder and in the half pass. So you're like, oh my gosh. So I learned that lesson to pay attention to those circles because they are Small really a place. Hard, yeah, yeah, they're and, hard. And they're fundamental and to training. They're, you mm-hmm. know, if you get it right, yeah. like a, a judge, a trainer, like everybody's like, yes, that's that's yeah. how you develop the horse, right? Right. So I love that idea of, of the little counterflush and such, you know, really controlling the outside shoulder and controlling the outside rein because that is part of it. So I think that, that that's a yeah, fantastic It's a big tip. part that people people fail to, you know, yeah. people think about bend as always through through the, you know, what they can see in front of them, right? Mm-hmm. You know, through the neck, through the jaw, through the, but actually, you know, everybody will tell you as you develop the horse up to FEI levels and further, like the straightness of that piece of the horse is just so important. Huge. You have to be working on bending the body. Yeah. So. Huge. Anyways, well done. That was my tip. So Phil, you have our total saddle fit trainer tip, which was a listener question. And I'm going to try and, and shed as much light on this as I can. So do you want to start us off? Okay. This, this is a, an email that we got from Arlene's all about national. So I thought this would be a great tie in. She says that her daughter has qualified for nationals for the first time. Also her first year as professional. So here's the three questions. Question one, is it worth it to go to nationals for one class? Yeah, so so I, I'm going to lit nationals for one class this year with one horse. So I, I will say, you know, for me, I do live 10 minutes from the horse park. So, oh, you yeah. know, I will put that in a caveat on this this whole discussion. But I try to go every year to the nationals that I can make it. You know, again, it's it's a great environment. And it's becoming more and more prestigious as it continues. 
So, and riding, anytime you can ride, and I think, Phil, you understand this, I think, you know, when you qualify, you think, oh, yeah, you know, maybe I'll be able to do this next year and the year after and the year after. And what you find out, I think, as a professional rider is it doesn't always happen. You don't always. It doesn't always come together. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't always come together. So I have a rule with myself and my students. And that is if you make the national championships, you need to go. And that's what I would say here is your daughter made it. She's becoming a professional rider, uh, you know, to be able to ride with other professional riders and what I typically call professional amateurs, because a lot of the amateurs, you know, that make it to nationals, they had to go to regionals and they had to make it and then they had to keep the horses sound and everybody healthy and get to Kentucky. So I do think it's it's definitely worth coming and it's, um, I've been a few times and and it's, it's becoming a bigger and bigger environment. I think it's, it's cool to ride at a show, which where everyone had to qualify to be there, you know, it's kind of a privilege. And I think the environment is really, everybody's, you know, trying to have a good time and, and meeting people from all across the country. So there's some networking happening and stuff like that. So I think it's kind of a big deal. We don't have in Canada and I wish we'd had, something, you know? Yeah, Um, exactly. So, all right. Well, here's question two. Since their regionals are late, they're wondering about accommodations. What, what are your tips here, Reese? Yeah. So the horse parks actually, I, I actually live in the town where the horse park is, or maybe the horse park is actually in Lexington, but it's on the North side of Lexington. So the next little town is the town I live in, which is called Georgetown. And, um, if you can't find any accommodations in Lexington, because Marlene's right, sometimes I don't think Keeneland is going on that late, but, um, sometimes there's a football game, so it can be a little bit challenging to get hotels, but Georgetown. I mean, I think Lexington is kind of a a small town with a lot of hotels. Yes. There are a lot of hotels. Well, because you have the, you have the national basketball championships going on. Like it just seems like. Yeah. Yeah. There's more accommodation than than a normal city of that size. Right, right. And then Georgetown is is pretty um, good size, actually, and has a lot of hotels. So, um, and Airbnb is becoming more and more popular. So, and on football weekends, it's it's pretty typical. People get Airbnbs, too. So, I don't think it's as difficult. Marlene, you certainly are welcome to give me a call directly. But in general, anybody, if you need help during the finals, we're here. And, and we do we always seem to get a load of horses from California that fly in a little bit early. That's a little bit of a challenge for the horse park if you are not driving in. If you're flying in, sometimes the flights get in over the weekend and you can't move into the horse park, I think, till Tuesday. So Monday or Tuesday. And then a lot of times that you have to leave the horse park as well. So I have I have friends in a network and also USDF is pretty good about helping. There's a group of us that sort of seem to always help people out that week. And, and we're certainly happy to do that. So uh, but if you're driving in, you know, it's worth getting there early. It's a big competition. So there's only certain times that you can school in the rings or hand walk in the rings, which is usually early and late. So you have to be ready for that. Know that that's kind of what happens at a big championship. So, but my horse, Big Mike, actually, he goes on Thursday. So I'll take him over Wednesday. And there's no, everybody in that class, in the third level class, we all go Thursday. So it's the same advantage. There's no extra horse show. So we can't get in the ring before. So, but everybody's on the same playing field. So it's fine. But I'm, a, I'm okay. a going for one class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And question three. Assuming that they do go, what are some tips, advice for maximizing the experience? And also as a, as a professional networking from a little bit the business side. 
Yeah, so I think, uh, and again, Phil, you've been here for this. Um, there are events that happen pretty much every night, I think. Uh, there's a wine and cheese. There's um, uh, a dinner, maybe two dinners. Um, and then what's also cool is you can get tables. There's a VIP area. Or you can bring in a picnic. Uh, there's food also in the venue. But you can also just bring in a picnic. And you can watch the rides. And it's it's complimentary. You don't have to pay extra to get into the stadium. And it's pretty warm in there. So some of the horses go outside and some of them are inside. But the FEI classes are inside. And so it is worth your time to to go to the wine and cheese and to go to the to yeah, go do, do to the, the things events. And, do the and, events and, yeah and, and people are friendly you know yeah. meet people say hi you know it's just all about I find at horse shows just you know people seem to be a little bit in their own head or a little bit in their own space but if you just I like your jacket you know uh, a compliment is always a nice icebreaker and where are you from and you know. How, how did you come to be here and, and all of that great stuff. I think you can meet lots of friends or, you know, people that you might see year to year and get together. And, and, and you know, it takes uh, participation to make an event like this feel like a real event. So, you know, a lot yeah. of a lot of horse people I know are kind of not really people people. Not that they're unfriendly, but they're just a bit shy, I think. Right. So not Reese, not I. No, uh, not us. But you're so, welcome to yeah, look, so, look us up. I mean, we're always going around and, and meeting yeah. new people and, and having great conversations. And, and you know, everybody there loves horses and loves dressage. So you already have a ton in common. So I think just kind of get yourself out there and, uh, and and watch the show. See as much of the show as possible because there's lots of learning opportunities. You know, whether it's in a warm-up ring or whether it's watching some classes or, you know, just seeing some people that you've heard about before, like in professional wise, you know, I, I think Michael Bragdell always goes and I like to watch him, his rides and, and yeah. sort of, you know, you can do a little analysis and, and, and learn something. So that's, that's, that's the benefit of there being a big show is that there is a lot to see and to soak up and that, and that way and talk to the vendors, you know, they're always yeah, really super friendly. And, yeah. And there's and good vendors. I think and I think the the brook is is has been there the last few years. So, you know, talking to them about their fundraising and and helping out with the brook is always a great idea. And yeah, lots of lots of great stuff to see and, and experience. Right, right. So it's a it's a great show. So I would absolutely say come look us up because we love that and we look forward to to meeting with you. And we hope your daughter does well. And if you have any other questions, we're we're happy to answer them. And also we hope the show will help you find some assets on the USDF side. So we look forward to seeing you in Kentucky. Well, Phil, we asked for people to send in their goals and we got some takers, which is really exciting. You know, this time of year is a a nice time to sort of reflect on the year and find out, you know, did you complete the goals you were trying, where you're going for next year. It's a good time to start that. So we've asked listeners to send us their goals and we have gotten some, which I love. So I also noticed I've been looking. One of the things we celebrate is when people get their their medals, we try to stop and either have a party. We always have a party at the end of the year, but we try to really celebrate. So I celebrated this this week with Jen O'Neill. Uh, we've been working on that bronze medal for a long time. So that was quite fun. We went out to dinner with her and her husband. But I also noticed on the auditor page that Kathy, she was awarded her Rider Performance Award from USDF for first level. 
That was really fun. Congratulations. Then our really fun listener, Lisa Fisher from Minnesota. She has been working a lot on cantering her mare. She's been doing that for a while and I'm really, really proud of her. And she's really worked very hard on that. So I'm really excited and happy from her. And also Nancy wrote in, we, we did a trainer tip with her mare a few uh, a few months ago, and she says it's going really well, and the mare's going super forward, and they're having a great time. So uh, keep the goals coming, Phil, and I yeah, love them. Congratulations. Mm. Yeah, I was really, really happy to hear about that. And, you know, just, just people out there and enjoying their horses and enjoying training. That's what dressage is all about, training and, and a smile on everybody's face. Yeah. And, you know, all of it, sometimes it's not competition-oriented. We don't have to hear competition-oriented. It's fun to to do that, but we also really love to hear, you know, I've been working really hard with my horse, and, and I'm making some strides. So we love hearing that. So keep those coming. We'll take those anytime. I don't, I don't, I don't want to stop that. I want to keep that going. So we look forward to that. Well, Phil, you have a great listener question for our total setup at Tip of the Week. What do you got, sir? Well, this comes in via email. So I'll just get right into it. Sounds good. She got her gelding over a year ago. We're out of a pasture where he was lightly used for trail riding. It's a 19-year-old Hanoverian with good confirmation, and he's getting a new dressage life. This summer, they showed training level and did well with scores in the 70s. I think that's really well. Yeah, really Uh, good. The comments from the judge were too heavy on the forehand, needs more lightness in the forehand, etc., I'm hoping to show first level next summer as I start to school lengthenings. It's clear that I'm going to have to improve his uphill balance. Any tips or exercises that you can recommend for developing uphill balance and impulsion early in the training process? Much appreciated, Greta. Okay. Well, I well, think this is a real common question, right? I, I think, yeah. you know, we tackle this on a daily basis. And, and there is a big jump between training level and first level, right? Training level, other requirement states, it's a level balance, while first level, it's an uphill structure. So that's really important to know, like, that's the first time the horse does need to start to be a little bit uphill. Doesn't have to be uphill the whole time, but there has to be an uphill structure. So I'm dealing with this all the uh, several times a day, actually. A lot of times it has to do with the horse's right? That they're learning the bridge from the hind leg uh, through the rider to the bit. And they're learning how to connect the hind leg to the bit. Uh, So a lot of times, uh, especially because he's an older horse and he was out to pasture for a bit. So I can guarantee he's got a strength issue and that's very common, right? And, And as you're kind of going back to the gym, it's normal for the horse and the rider to, to say, oh my goodness, this is quite hard. And the self carriage is, is an issue. So a lot of things that really help this horse, and we've talked about this several times on the show, but keep those transitions going, right? And transitions where the horse is actually quite quick behind, we don't talk about and and, and we don't know, but I have a feeling this guy is probably not our most active horse. So a lot of times horses that are kind of slow and on the forehand, right? They don't want to use their back and they don't want to use their hind legs. So one of the things that we need to do is strengthen those hind legs and get them more active. So a lot of transitions, but not just transitions like trot walk, obedient, but trot really active into the walk, right? And then a really active transition back to trot will really help. And so a lot of times we do this and we call it fancy feet or quick feet, right? That the horse comes back and they're quick behind and they make quicker, faster steps behind that help bring, shift the balance from the horse being on the forehand to bringing the hind leg back. Uh, Other things that can help are hill work. I'm blessed here in Kentucky. We have great hills. Uh, 
treadmill work, right? The horse walking on a treadmill or going uphill will also help. Um, but it generally is the horse doesn't want to carry weight behind, uh, which is a very, very common issue. And, um, a lot of that is just going to be strength, uh, very similar to if you go to the gym and you were to do squats, uh, it takes a little bit. And I have a feeling that's kind of what's going on with this horse. Phil, what you got? Yeah, I think the other part of that is a little bit the connection between horse and rider and, you know, feeling the, the rider has to drive the horse a little bit more forward, especially if you're going for some lengthenings, but also resist a little bit in the contact so the horse doesn't just get longer and and fall flat on their on their front legs so especially in the beginning you have to the rider has to support the horse's front end a little bit because they don't have the strength to do it themselves and you have to show them the way so be careful that in your forwards transitions from walk to trot or or from normal working trot into a lengthened trot that you don't just throw your hands forward and and hope you know hope that the horse gets lighter because you know they're going to you're not providing enough uphill structure for the horse to be able to push up right so there there is going to be a little bit of a requirement for the rider to support the horse a little bit until they learn what you're asking for so part of it is just uh you know bringing the horse more together so not only are you riding the lengthenings in your in your um daily riding teach the horse first level, but you have to ride a little bit the other way with the horse and teach them a little bit like introduction to some collection as well, that you can not only lengthen the horse from working trot, but you can shorten the horse from, from working trot. Just, you know, just a little bit. And both of those things will help the horse to learn a little bit more of the difference as you start to work towards the extremes of how short can you make the horse? How long can you make the horse? And that takes contact. And, and that's a little bit what, uh, what the riders are missing at this level sometimes, you know, in these lessons that I teach, you know, day to day, it's, it's what everybody's working on, what everybody's getting their horse to do to balance better. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a very common problem. And I also feel like riders need to understand that this takes time. You know, this isn't something that just happens overnight. So I think that's really important to know right? That it's not going to happen overnight. It's just kind of like if I were to really go to the gym, it doesn't happen overnight. So keep working at it. Really, truly keep working at it. It will come lots of transitions. Don't get frustrated. And we think it will really help. And you've got time because next summer, uh, we know you're going to rock it and get 70% at first level. So good luck. And thank you so much for sending us emails. We love questions. So keep them coming. Well, Phil, as always, I have been riding really, really hard in my total st saddle fit stability stirrup leathers and love them. And Karen Isberg, an Oreo, she's on the show quite often and we love it. Uh, she's gotten a pair and I will tell you, I, I can't get them off her saddle. Like, I think there could be physical harm. And, you know, she's like, these are amazing. I can sit the trot with these. So it's been fun to see her really enjoy the stirrups. She got the slim stirrups stability stirrups, which I have the original and really like the original and Karen loves the slim ones. So it's been really fun to see her use them and enjoy them. So we are, we are really recommend them. We use them with our students and I've seen such development with, with riders uh, with those stirrup leathers. They're fantastic. I think any, any product that can, that can help you either gain confidence or make you a little bit more comfortable or help you with the angle. I think this sort of helps with angles of the leg, you know, it is worth the investment and they're, they're great products from Justin at uh, Total Saddle Fit and you can check them all out at totalsaddlefit.com.
This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Phil, it's you and I for the Total Saddle Fit tip of the week. What you got for us? Well, we were just discussing before the show what we wanted to talk about, and, and we kind of came around in a roundabout way to talking about contact, which is always mm-hmm. a, a difficult topic, and elbow placement, and and sort of getting the right feeling of your uh, to your horse's mouth. And we both sort of came upon this and, and wanted to talk a little bit about riders that throw their horses away as they try to make transitions forward or as they try to make the horses move more forward. So maybe you can give us a little intro into this and we can get a little back and forth going and and try and help uh, our listeners understand about contact a little bit more. Yeah, no, I think it's, you know, because you said as we're trying to, you know, pick the tip, like what what did you work on today in, in your lessons? And I taught two lessons and this was literally the topic in both lessons. And one rider is working at first level and one rider's working at fourth level and working on sort of creating sort of that positive tension, right? Coming from the elbows. And I think the question is, when do you give and when do you take? And when is forward forward and when is forward running? That's also been a topic for us. And I, I really believe it has to do a little bit with that. Well, a lot with the connection and the connection starting from the elbows going through your hands to the bit. Obviously, there's a lot of a seat component to that as well. And we're, you know, you have to say that when you talk about connection. But that was a big theme for us today here, here at the farm at Maple Crest South was how much connection do you have and when do you sort of dial your aids up and when do you dial them down? And then Phil said, this has really been a big issue for me when you're having riders go forward. And I think that's the issue, right? Is I, I like the idea of dialing the aids and that idea of dialing the pressure up and dialing the pressure down. A lot of riders I found have their dial. If you're going kind of from zero to 10, their dials up at 10 or, you know, nine or 10, right? They cannot pull anymore or they can't have any more connection. And, and I stop that rider and say, whoa, 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 you know, let's go back and dial that connection back. Set your elbows, you have a straight line from your elbow wrist to the bit, and obviously that your seat's in the saddle. And let's dial those aids back so that if you're at one or two, you can go to a stronger connection from your elbow. You can also go from to a lighter connection, if that makes sense. See where I'm going with this, Phil? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was also thinking about it in the other way uh, a little bit as as we develop horses and we develop riders, uh, especially in the dressage forum of things you know when i'm developing a horse from a young horse i have to lessen the contact to sort of get them to move forward to the bit because you know in the beginning they don't understand how that all that all that connection sort of works and riders we do the same thing we say okay we're going to go forward we're going to lighten up on the bit push the horse and allow them to go forward but as we dialing aids right like dial them down dial it down down Right, but but, uh, but then you ho- sort of have to say to the horse in the horse's training and then the rider's training separately and together. If you want your horse to become connected or come on the bed or get round and use their back, if you are throwing away your hands and then just pushing forward, you're not going to get that connection. So you have to teach the horse. You have to teach the riders to say. A feeling of a feeling on the bit of a little pressure doesn't always mean slow down, and it doesn't always 
stop them from being able to go forward. Right. And that's right. a really tough concept because, it, right. you know, you sort of, and it's tough to learn and it's tough to understand and it's tough to teach that you should have some pressure while you make an upwards transition. So the transition can be uphill and from the hind legs. If you, if you resist nothing up front, the, the hind legs will not get closer to the front legs. Right. So, they so basically, not, they can't come on the dial. Right. Yeah. If your dial's zero, right, there's nothing yeah. to push into. Right. Yeah. There's nothing so to bring the horse uphill. There's nothing to connect them over the back. There's you have to be able to create a bridge, you know, of the spine of 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 the the neck muscles of you know that bridge is created through a connection, which means there can't be nothing zero in your hand. Right. Sometimes there can be, but but. The more you want to create collection, the more pressure has to be between your hand and the bit and your leg and your hand and the bit so that you can so that you can create that collection. And it's not going to just happen because you wish it to happen or happen just in the downwards transitions. It's most important to teach that in the upwards transition. How are you going to get the hind legs closer to to the front legs? You have to resist the front legs a little bit, but I mean that takes uh, years and years and years and years and years of training and feel and timing. Yeah, because yeah. you have to hold yeah. with the right amount of pressure. You have to you have to use your leg enough to create enough forward propulsion and, and all of that things. But uh, too too much of the time, I see riders who want to develop towards collection, second level, third level, fourth level, you know, but just not having that concept that you can't just throw the throw the throw the bit away, throw the reins away, away every time you want to go forward. Right. Yeah. And that's in, in forward, right? Forward on a young horse is different than forward on an FEI horse or fourth level horse, right? Like they have different meanings. And so that's where the connection and contact has to play a different role in there. Cause if you don't have that role, then that's where you get into trouble. So yeah, it, it is, it's a very hard concept to think because there is we say it as positive tension, right? But there has to be some tension with the bit. If not, the horse is going to be in a long, essentially hunter right. frame. Right. right. Yeah. Right. We, so we sort of uh, we sort of get to this problem a lot with our questions from our from our listeners, like, how do I get my horse more uphill? How do I right. get my horse to make longer strides? How do I get my horse to make shorter strides? Well, it's all variances in the amount of of contact that you have while creating quite a lot of of push. But right. you have to push if you're going to get past first level you have to push against something yes right exactly so and then using a dial and sort of playing with that investigating that training that you know and and that's how you that's how you make your way forward through through the training scale through you know through the training pyramid uh, of getting towards those higher higher levels and higher incre- increasing p- p- impulsion instead of speed and all that is is through a better feel of, of connecting to your horse's mouth and and i know it's it's we talk about it and we just say okay it's easy you just you know you resist and you you push and, and then it just happens it doesn't <laughs> it happens over time oh, through no. training and developing but i think the first concept that that riders have to get in their head is that as they go forward they're going to feel the horse the horse's mouth in their hand a little bit more and it's it's a little different for every horse, and you have to experiment, and you have to, uh, you know, keep trying. Yeah, for keep sure. Working on it. 
Yeah, and it changes, it changes, right? You may get it and say, oh, I got it at first level. Well, then you get a second level or you have it at second level, right? The requirement changes. Yeah, at third or I ha- yeah, I have it in walk uh, and then yeah. I have to make it in trot and then I have it in trot and I have to make it in canter. And oh my goodness, the horse really yeah. hates to have his, to have, you know, me resisting a little bit as he canters around. That's all, uh, you know. And, yeah. you know, through through those steps, you lose confidence a lot. Even, even you know, you and I, we sort of are second-guessing our training all the time, and we okay. have to have people yeah. come in and give us the confidence and say, yeah, you're on the right track. You know, you got to just kind of push through this sometimes, and and the horses don't always understand, but we, we spend the time to help them and help the communication happen, and and eventually yeah. we end up somewhere. Yeah, um, we end up somewhere. <laughs> Well, we love it. Well, as always, we if you if you have more questions about this, feel free to give Phil an email or I an email or Facebook shout out because we this is it's a huge part of what we do and and we love it. So keep those questions coming. And if you have any more trainer tips you want us to talk about, we like coming. We like doing trainer tips. We haven't done some in a while, and we always like doing it. So as always, you know you can can do that. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website radio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on the show, and don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we look forward to talking with you next week. Thank you.